in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Everybody, welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Steve. podcast. Beep, 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 you. As always, I'm your host. Well, that was your co-host Andy Art, and I am your co-host Art the Stone. Hello, Andy. Hello, Art. <laughs> you are a uh, air horn. I'm the man of a million sounds. <laughs> wow, those classic too. <laughs> Bing bong. Whoa, look at all these sounds. Where did we, hey, where did we get a soundboard? Screak. Oh, that, wow, you can use that one a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Welcome back to Mr. Bunker's ASMR Time Podcast. <laughs> um, Now, Andy, speaking oh, of the yeah, uh, man of many sounds, today's yeah. topic is the creature of... Many descriptions. <laughs> truly. Kind of. T- truly. As as today's topic is known, the creature of many descriptions. Uh, today, we're talking about none other than uh, regional beginning, yet now somewhat famous cryptid. Think somewhat famous? You're skeptical of that. I think somewhat famous. It is. No, I'm not skeptical of that. It they is made a famous. movie. Several movies. Yeah, the Mothman. We're talking about the Mothman. The Mothman, uh, cryptid extraordinaire, maybe something more. Um, we're gonna deep dive into everything about it, the history of it, the sightings of it, explanations for it, and what the skeptics have to say. Yeah, and also, what the fuck has actor Richard Gere been up to lately? Richard Gere, where are you, buddy? Um, we're gonna jump into that, and if you want to take flight like the Mothman and skip right ahead to all that research, look in the show notes for a timestamp. That will take you right to when the research begins. Because first, Andy and I have a little intro bit. We got to do something first. So if you don't want to hear it, shuffle off That's right. to the timestamped location and hear the story of the Mothman. But if you want to stick with us and get the whole enchilada on how we got here. That's right. Then buckle up because here we go. Big time bunk funkers. They stick around for the intro. <laughs> the bunk funkers know what's up. The bunk funkers know what's up. They're the true blue ride or dies for us. They're the bunk funkers. Uh, if you're in the bunk funk club, then you know that every week Art and I get captured by the titular Mr. Bunker in a new and exciting way. That's right, Andy. Uh, and this week is no different. That's true, Andy. Uh, yep. We've both had harrowing journeys to get here today. Such harrowing journeys. And we want to tell you about them. Yeah, we do. Art. Yeah. Goddamn. God damn! Who doesn't love go karts? <laughs> I love go karts. I, I was just thinking about go karts the other day. 
Everybody loves go-karts. Go-karts are fun. Why has Tesla not made a go-kart? Elon, make a go-kart! <laughs> the biggest problem with go-karts is the gas that... It's they're expensive. Yeah. yeah. Make them solar-powered. Make them solar-powered. Make them electric. Go-karts are fun. Go-karts are fun. I like driving go-karts. I do, too. So, you know, as I'm wont to do, I head out on my own for a little excursion earlier today. That's right. Uh, left my family bring, behind. Yeah, you did not bring your family. I don't know preschool graduation or something that they were doing. I don't know. I'm. You're not involved with that. This doesn't. doesn't you're concern, not on that Google calendar. Doesn't concern me. Yeah. Uh, so I head out to Walmart, the Walmart go kart brand. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm gonna have some fun. Okay. You know. Sure. Daddy needs to relax. Exactly. Sure. It's mostly teens at the Walmart, but I'm here to have fun. Yeah. You're here to win. Sure, they can barely get me into the cart, and I need a seatbelt extender, which slows everyone down at the starting gate, waiting for me to get safely harnessed. But I'm here to have fun. Yeah, you look like Donkey Kong or Bowser. It's fine. Right. Whereas everyone else is more like a Mario I or a I barely toad. fit in. But I'm here to have fun. <laughs> Boy, I must have pissed somebody off, though, at the wall cart, because I'm driving laps, doing the laps, going around the, the track. Some, some freaking... Italian guy in overalls oh. kept fucking with me all day. The whole time I'm driving laps in my go kart, the wall cart. Oh. He's messing with me. Jeez. He's got some kind of, he's one of these sick, probably a sick serial killer type. You know what I mean? Some kind of psychopath, clearly into animal mutilation. Oh my God. He's throwing turtle shells at me all day <laughs> long. No turtle inside. Empty turtle shell. Where is he getting those shells? Yeah, he's murdering turtles. Like, yeah. Fucking sicko. So I'm like, this guy's freaking sick. He's a danger to everybody at this wall cart. So I tell the wall cart security about this guy. He gets arrested. The police come and arrest him. Nice. And I'm like, finally. Good job, Andy. I did something good for the community. For once. It's probably better he's not on the streets. Effing sicko. Sick. Sick fuck. fuck. The sick fuck. Anyway, I'm getting ready to go home, and they got this hot dog stand there at the wall cart. Of course. <clears throat> so I figure I better stop and fuel up. So I stop for a Chicago dog and a chili cheese dog and a brat and a red hot and a footlong coney. So I bite into the Chicago dog. <laughs> what? That's a lot of dogs. That's my order. I get a Chicago dog, a chili cheese dog, a brat, a red hot, and a footlong coney. Of course. Of course you do. It's only five hot dogs. Only five. Chicago dog, chili cheese dog with onions and a brat, red hot, footlong coney. All the trimmings. Mustard. So I bite into the Chicago dog first, and as soon as my teeth hit that casing and it snaps, I get blasted in the face with some kind of gas, and it knocks me out cold. I go limp right there at Walcart hot dog stand. The next thing I know, I'm waking up. I'm here in the bunker covered in sauerkraut. Um, That's it. That's how I got here. That's how you got here. Yeah. Got knocked out by a hot dog at the Walcart. Wow. Uh, so, obviously, that Italian guy was Bunker. No? No, I think that was just a serial killer, and Bunker <laughs> was running the hot dog stand. Oh, my God. Wow. It was called What's Bunk Dog? So, I mean, maybe. But What's you know what? Bunk Dog? But, you know, when I get a craving for a Chicago dog, a chili cheese dog, 
a brat, a red hot, and a footlong coney. Sure. I got to satisfy that craving. You have to, especially after a day of hitting the fucking tr- the track. Hitting the tracks? Dashing and sliding, throwing banana peels over your back? No, that's bullshit art. I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that? that sick Italian guy probably does. He probably doesn't even eat the banana. He probably just throws the banana so out. So you wouldn't ingest, out. like, you know, if you saw, like, a uh, crystal meth laced or PCP laced uh, floating star, you wouldn't ingest it and then. Um, crash your body into the other drivers? No, Art. What about mushrooms? Would you take mushrooms if they were No, I wouldn't do drugs on a go-kart track. That's not safe. I I mean, Andy, it seems like you don't want to win that bad. Uh, Yeah, I don't want to win that bad, but I'm willing to do what it takes to win as long as it's legal. Yeah, well, maybe you don't deserve... I believe in good sportsmanship, Art. Well, I think maybe you don't deserve those hot dogs. Well, I think I earned them. What are your times? Because even though did people, you hit a personal best? No, nah, no, uh, the carts don't go that fast. Um, you know, most people were moving faster than me around the track. Frankly, most people are walking. Yeah, I don't know. I probably weighed it down. I mean, it's intended for children, but like, I love go karts. I mean, damn, who doesn't love a go kart? Damn, who doesn't love a go kart? <laughs> go karts sick as hell. They are sick as Freaking hell, sick. dude. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't move very fast for me though. I'm mean, probably got a bad cart. <laughs> the cart's fault. Yeah, for sure. Anyway. Am I too fat for a go-kart? No. It's the carts that are wrong. <laughs> um, okay, well. Uh, covered in sauerkraut. Covered in sauerkraut. Sour cart. Yeah, sour cart. Well, Andy, I've got some advice for you. Mm. And that has to relate to how I was captured. Oh, Andy, I don't know if you know this about me. I don't think you do, but I recently decided to open up an advice column at a little local newspaper called uh, the Chicago Tribune. You ever heard of it? You got hired to write an advice column for the Tribune? You might not have heard of it. It's kind of a law, small local publication. Uh, I've heard of it. Well, it's... I an advice? You give any advice? Well, anywho, Andy, it turns out they'll give newspaper jobs to about anyone these days. Jeez, I guess. Even a hack with no journalistic integrity like me. Yeah, They're desperate. Yeah, yeah. Not just that you don't have experience, it's that you have no integrity. <laughs> well, they're desperate, Andy. Yeah, clearly. I mean, sales no are down. Sales are down. You know, they need anybody. You'll print any story, whether it's true or not. Well, Andy, I I had an advice column. I wasn't fucking a... Okay. I have journalistic integrity, Andy, but I was doing an advice column. Okay? An advice column. It was called Ask Art. It's a column. Ask Art. And I get all sorts of questions, Andy. You know, sure, read, read sure. us right in with the classics. What is this about manners? and well, or just I, I, General. I okay, think my okay. SO cheated on me. What do I do? Signed, worried Will. My supervisory officer writes, cheated on me. My boss is a total <laughs> jerk. Should I tell him off? Signed, frustrated Frank. Right. You know, right. or my hang gliding instructor stole my cat. How do I get it back? Signed, Flying Phil. You know, right. classics. Mm-hmm. One day I get a little letter from a reader asking for advice on how to capture their crush. Ooh. How to uh, how to get their crush. How to, to kidnap like them? them? No, how to, how to, you know, capture their crush. How to get their crush to like them. Oh, okay. Here's what it read. Dear Art, I've got two fellas on my mind all the time. Mm-hmm. You could say I'm crushing on these guys pretty hard. You see, mm-hmm. it's not just that I like them, but I need them. Mm-hmm. I literally need them to function. Without them in my life, my world would fall apart. The thing is, they never see me. Sometimes I go to such great lengths, extravagant lengths, to Mm -hmm. impress them and show them how much I desire their work. But they barely see me. Mm. Don't they care at all? 
I slave away over plans and designs and construction and execution of the most extravagant and reality-bending displays of affection, but it's never enough for them. Hmm. How can I get them? How can I get my two crushes to notice me? Signed, Bemused Bunker. I knew right away, Andy, I had to help this Bunker fella out. That's my journalistic duty. Bunker? Yeah. Hmm. I don't get, I mean... Well, I got a little... They always I, do kind of an illiterate... Andy, this is like a journalistic thing. You might not get it. You know, I, you don't write for a small local publication like I do, the Chicago Tribune, but, <laughs> you know, they write in with like an alliteration thing. It's to protect the identity mm-hmm. of the uh, right. writer. Right. So it's Bemused Bunker. Um, I have what I think is maybe good advice for Bemused. Yeah. Um, time to grow up and move on. If you've done all these things... For your two crushes and they don't reciprocate, you need to back off. Oh, Andy, that's not what I told them. What did you say? As a professional advice columnist, uh, here's what I said. Mm-hmm. Dear bemused bunker, what a terrible situation to be in, slammed between a rock and a heart place. Managing one crush is a full-time gig, not to mention two. Mm-hmm. As if, haha, who are you? Mother Superior? Psych. I know you're all that in a bag of chips, so let's get you the 411 and how to grab those two orange crushes out of the vending machine of love. First off, crushes don't want no scrub. So if you're a doctor or nurse practitioner, change your clothes. (laughs) Second, you gotta wow them. Home skillet. And if they're not wowed, kick them to the curb. Booyah! Third, quit bugging out, you fart knocker. (laughs) is every response this way? Don't get crunk over two crushes. If they don't see how much you care, you'll lose them. No, wait, sorry. If they see how much you care, you'll lose them both. Stay hella fly, and soon you'll be getting jiggy with them. XOXO, Artie. Huh. The next day, Andy, while I was at high school soccer practice out on the field. Wait, wait, what? Mr. Bunker took over the PA system. <laughs> And saying an incredible rendition of I can't take my eyes off of you. You're just too good to be true. To me, before campus security attacked, tackled me Wait. and shoved me into his van. Wait. Well, yeah, why were you at high school soccer practice? Which high school? <sighs> well, you caught me, Andy. I wasn't writing for small town local publication, the Chicago Tribune. What? I was writing for a expired copy of 90s Tiger Beat magazine. Tiger beat. Yeah. You fucking caught me, okay? Okay. I was impersonating a high school s- student. God. And it. I was writing for ni- Tiger Beat, but I'm so fucking out of touch. I was using 90s slang in a late 2000s era. Yeah, why would you think? I'm a fucking boomer. Yeah, why would you think that that I would- was trying to impersonate all these Zoomers. I'm a fucking boomer. Yeah. Tiger Beat went out of publication in 2018. Yeah. You got played. Got fucking played. Yeah. <laughs> I got to tell you, though, Bunker sang a lovely rendition of I Can't Take My Eyes Off of You over the PA system. Yeah. He had these long, curly locks. And he kind of looked like a bad boy. Mm. Just don't care. Yeah. Wait. Are you crushing on Bunker now? Bunker's I, buff. Bunker's buff. But he's also a little moody now, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's kind of got this I don't care attitude. Yeah. Anyway, my advice column career is ruined. Mm-hmm. My journalistic integrity is shot. 
<laughs> what little of it there existed. I don't know. I guess I'll have to go work at some other small town fucking publication like the New York Times or something now. Yeah. This is rough. I'm sorry that this... <laughs> Wait. You didn't You didn't work for the Tribune, though. You wrote for Tiger Beat. Fucking talk to the hand. <laughs> you know what, Andy? You can you talk to the hand. You have to go work hand. for some other out-of-publication team mag. to the hand, Andy. Talk to the hand. Are you fart knocker? <laughs> I'm a freaking fart knocker. <laughs> freaking fart knocker? How much of Napoleon Dynamite was just a butthead impression? I don't know. Maybe a lot. Maybe a lot. You think that movie holds up? 100%. I love Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, you've seen it a lot. My generation loves that movie. Your generation. Talking about my generation. Andy, let's talk about a generational cryptid creature. Huh? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about it. We're talking about the Mothman. The Mothman. <laughs> Reginald Mothman. Reginald Mothman third. <laughs> From Liverpool. <laughs> Reginald Mothman third. I think Mothman might take over for uh, Prince Harry. Yeah. Since he's no longer a prince anymore. Uh, isn't he still a prince? No, he uh, he uh, he gave it up, right? He can't not be a prince, though, right? He They will no longer be referred to as prince and princess. Mm, okay, yeah. He still gets money from those duchies or whatever. Meghan Markle. She sounds like a uh, Marvel character. Meghan Markle, yeah. The alliteration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's a superhero. Let's get to another alliteration. Mothman. <laughs> Uh, Andy, Point Pleasant. This topic, you got it. West Virginia. <laughs> West Virginia. West Virginia. Uh, this topic, Andy. You know, we'll get into it. But th- th- this is a popular. This is a popular topic. Oh, baby, is this a popular one? Mothman has spawned a annual festival. Yeah. In Point Pleasant. Yeah. Uh, the it takes over the town. Yeah. You know. So the, t- the town is littered with Mothman memorabilia and Mothmania. Frigally. Mothman, 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 Mothmania. Let's not waste any more time. Let's we take off. We got Mothmania. We got Mothmania. We got Moth Fever. Let's go to that bright lamp and let's flutter around it. Ooh, the man of many voices. Ooh, look at him. Um, right here, right now on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Open. In the small town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, a flying humanoid creature with glowing red eyes was known to stalk the townsfolk. With a multitude of sightings, some more credible than others, its presence is forever linked with one of the town's most tragic events. However, its presence now leads to a joyful and communal gathering in Point Pleasant every year. What exactly was this nightmarish creature? Was it an omen of supernatural malevolence? And what has actor Richard Gere been up to lately? Mm-hmm. Listeners, today we present the whole enchilada on The Mothman. 
Point Pleasant is a sleepy little town at the confluence of the Ohio and Kanawha Rivers. With a population of a little over 4,000, it's a nice place to live with some beautiful sprawling hills and forest scenery. Not to mention the great state of Ohio is just a hop, skip, and a jump away. It's not far from recognized metropolis areas, Cincinnati and Columbus as well. Beautiful cities on the uptick. During World War II, Point Pleasant was home to a military munitions factory that housed ammunition and explosives. But our story takes place in the late 1960s, well after World War II was over and the munitions factory was decommissioned. Indeed, Point Pleasant was, well, a pleasant place to be. But on November 12th, 1966, it wouldn't be so pleasant anymore. Five cemetery workers were digging a grave preparing for a burial. As they were working away, they saw something that looked like a brown human being lift off from one of the trees and fly over their heads. Their words, not mine. Yeah. It looked like a humanoid creature with wings to them. But as you can imagine, and if survivor cast member James Clement tells us anything, gravediggers are a buff, burly bunch who ain't afraid of hanging out in spooky cemeteries. But something about this sighting stuck with them. Two days later, on November 14th, around 10.30 p.m., Newell Partridge was at home with his dog, Bandit, enjoying some nighttime television. Ah, 1966 had some great shows. I was in my early 50s then, and boy, did I love Bonanza, Bewitched, Batman. I only watch shows that start with the letter B. Like Bunker. Whoa, like Bunker. Anyway, (laughs) Bandit the dog, another B. Oh, Bandit. Began to howl while out on the front porch. This got Newell's attention. When he walked out to see what was up, he noticed Bandit about 150 feet away from the house near his barn. He pointed his flashlight towards the pooch and saw two floating red objects hovering over the field near his property. Eventually, he made out that the red orbs belonged to some kind of tall, dark, shrouded figure standing on the branch of a tree. Suddenly, it rose up into the air and let out a blood-curdling scream before it flew away into the woods. Bandit chased after the creature. Newell tried to call the dog back, but it ran off into the forest. Newell, overcome by fear, slept next to his gun that night. Instead of another human being, like he did every night. He made love to that gun. (laughs) Anyway, the next day on November 15th, 1966, two young married couples, Steve and Mary Mallett and Roger and Linda Scarberry, were driving near the so-called TNT area, coming back from... A double date during the night. <laughs> Coming back from makeout point, no less. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dude, Art, don't be so crass, okay? They're young married couples. Married. They were probably wife swapping at 69ing Bluff. Smoking a little reefer, 60ing a little nine. Hell yeah, I call that a Tuesday, my dude. Bro, that is a Tuesday for us, big dog. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, the couples were driving by the TNT area, which is a large tract of land with lots of small concrete structures, like little bunkers, which used to house uh, ammunition and explosives during World War II. After the war effort, it was partially converted into the McClintic Wildlife Station, a 2,500-acre plot of land with rambling forests and hills. Suddenly, these couples saw a tall, dark figure standing near the road. It looked like a man, but bigger. 
possibly seven feet tall, and it appeared to have a pair of wings. In front of it was the carcass of a dog. This was later assumed to be Newell's German shepherd, Bandit. As they passed by the figure, it rose up into the air and proceeded to chase after the car. Mr. Scarberry sped up to almost 100 miles per hour, but the creature was able to match that speed and keep chase. His wife, Linda, said it emitted a high-pitched screech and had glowing red eyes. As they approached the town, the creature broke off the chase and flew back to the TNT area. Then, the couples immediately drove to the sheriff's office to report what they had seen. The next day on the 16th, the couples and the police held a press conference about the incident. Deputy Halstead who had known the couples all of their lives, took them very seriously. Uh, Deputy Halstead says this, quote, they've never been in any trouble. He told this to investigators and had no reason to doubt their stories. In attendance was Dr. Robert Smith, a wildlife expert, who surmised that the couples had actually seen uh, an abnormally large crane, which had been separated from its migration route, as cranes, particularly sandhill cranes, are not native to the area. The press said the TNT area served as the creature's home during its terrorizing of Point Pleasant. New people could live out in the McClintic Wildlife Station, which again was, you know, part of that TNT area. It was a place fit for only outdoors types and, well, horny teens looking for lover's lane. <laughs> like you, Andy, I know what you did last summer. Art, I do not don a scary mask and hunt down horny teens in a decommissioned munitions factory turned wildlife preserve. Okay? How many times do we have to go over this? I would make a terrible horror movie killer. You'll pay for your crime, sicko. Anyway, but living in this remote area was Ralph Thomas. And also on November 16th, Mrs. Marcella Bennett, traveling with her newborn baby, was driving out to the Thomas's home to visit as, you know, they were old family friends. As she was pulling up, she spotted a funny red light in the sky that moved and hovered above the TNT area. Thomas's also noticed this light separately from Mrs. Bennett. There's no word on what the baby noticed, probably nothing because it was a baby. But as Mrs. Bennett pulls up and gets out of the car at the Thomas residence with her newborn babies in her arms, something stirred near her automobile. In her words, it rose up from the ground, a big gray thing, bigger than a man with terrible glowing eyes. Mrs. Bennett was so afraid, she dropped her baby on the ground. Welcome to the club, tiny baby. Art and I are the poster children for what happens when you drop a baby on the ground. Don't want your kid to end up like us? Don't drop it on the ground. Doi! Doi! But much like a dexterous middle linebacker after a big-time sack, she scooped and scored the bundle of babe back to the Thomas residence. Where they, in a state of panic, locked the doors with everyone inside. The creature was said to chase after, shuffling around on the porch and peering inside the home. They quickly called the police, but as the authorities arrived, it disappeared. While they did survive the incident, Mrs. Bennett unfortunately would not recover from this encounter. She was so overcome with anxiety and fear that she sought medical attention to help her alleviate the torment. She had frightening dreams about it, believed it visited her home, and would hear the sound of a woman screaming near her home. The press conference on that 16th opened up the proverbial cryptid sighting floodgates, leading to tons of incredible sightings uh, of a large creature seen around the TNT area, always a gray or brown humanoid with wings and always with glowing red eyes. But it would all culminate with a terribly tragic event. 
About a year later, on December 15, 1967, the Silver Ridge Bridge collapsed. At around 5 p.m., the 700-foot bridge connecting Point Pleasant to Ohio collapsed while filled with rush hour traffic. People and cars were plunged into the icy river below. Overall, 46 people died that day. A tragic event that is still felt in the town today. In fact, it is one of the top three worst bridge accidents in American history. Immediately after the incident, many unexplained bright lights sightings led many to believe this creature, the Mothman, was the cause of the incident. Needless to say, this horrible event made headlines all across the country. But Mothmania was at its apex a year prior. And in fact, the creature was named the Mothman after a villain, Killer Moth, uh, on the hit Adam West Batman t- TV show. I know it. I love it. Yeah. Mothman was so popular that well-known UFO writers Gray Barker and John Keel moved to the town for a year to write about the incidents and the creature. Keel, in particular, was very successful in his writings on the Mothman. He arrived with Barker in December 1966 and began to chronicle the reports of Mothman sightings, paranormal activity, and reports of UFOs, which he believed were all connected to the Mothman. He wrote that at least 100 people personally witnessed the creature between November 1966 and November 1967. According to their reports, the creature stood between 5 and 7 feet tall, was wider than a man, and walked on human-like legs. Its eyes were set near the top of its shoulders, glowing red, and had a and had bat-like wings that glided rather than flapped when it flew. Witnesses also described its murky skin as being either gray or brown, and it emitted a humming sound when it flew. The Mothman was apparently incapable of speech and gave off a screeching sound. Keel was a believer that humans have had a long history of interaction with the supernatural, and was a believer in the theory that human history was influenced by so-called gods of old, in the form of aliens and supernatural entities such as angels and demons. And the Mothman was no different. To him, the Mothman was some evil omen, haunting this pleasant little town, which led to his novel, The Mothman Prophecies, that inspired the film of the same name in 2002, starring Richard Gere. Oh, there he is. The basis of both being much more ethereal supernatural horror than scary cryptid monster. But Keel was the driver behind the idea that this was all connected. So what exactly was the Mothman? While it is typically categorized as a cryptid, writers like Keel and Barker brought in other ideas. Could the Mothman have been some sort of alien species? Many residents did report an abundance of UFO sightings during the reign of the Mothman in Point Pleasant. These ranged from unexplained floating lights in the sky to actual crafts and always seemed to take place around the TNT area where the Mothman allegedly set up its base of haunter actions. Haunterations. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I write weird shit. Anyway, these sightings were also coincided with a plethora of par- paranormal activity. Woo, so much alliteration. Citizens reported strange issues with their televisions <laughs> and phone lines, locked doors that would open and close, and odd voices would be heard. One particularly chilling encounter was with the entity known as Indrid Cold, also known as the Grinning Man. Many UFO spotters and abductees recall meeting an Indrid Cold before encountering UFOs or extraterrestrials. It's typically described as a man with an abnormally large grin. 
In the case of Point Pleasant, a man named Woodrow Derenberger, a sewing machine salesman, was driving home from work at night on November 2nd, 1966 on Interstate 77, when suddenly a large cigar-shaped UFO passed by and stopped on the road in front of him. A man exited the craft and walked up to Derenberger's car. He communicated with Derenberger telepathically, saying that he meant him no harm and introduced himself as Indrid <clears throat> Cold. He inquired about the glowing lights off in the distance, to which Derenberger surmised to mean the lights of the town of Point Pleasant, which he was near at the time. Derenberger recalled Cold's abnormally large grin. After answering a few more questions about the people in the area, Cold thanked him, returned to his craft, and left. Two weeks later, the Mothman incidents occurred, leading many to believe that Indrid Cold and Mothman are linked in some way. As the UFO sightings, Mothman reports, and paranormal activity increased, people allegedly also started reporting seeing men in black around the town. Just like the beloved movie franchise and the extra-beloved by this co-host animated series, they were the classic men in dark suits with dark sunglasses who seemed to show up when sh weird shit goes down. They were allegedly seen intimidating people, asking questions, and telling them not to talk about what was happening in Point Pleasant, and... Standing there, menacingly. Ooh. And while we can't comment on if anyone saw Tommy Lee Jones or Will Smith, we can comment that one reporter for the Athens, Ohio newspaper, The Messenger, Mary Heyer, was allegedly frequently visited by men in black figures. They would inquire about the sightings and Mothman reports that she was reporting on in the paper. They would also insist on speaking with her every single time and in one instance demanded that she stop talking about the Mothman. Just like Fight Club, I guess the first rule about Mothman is don't talk about Mothman. Well, Art, what do the skeptics have to say about the Mothman? What's their explanation for this phenomenon? Most believe it's... And Art, brace yourself. Some kind of bird. Fuck this. Art, relax. Get a hold of yourself. I can't do it. Snap out of it, Art. Get yourself together, man. Oh. Okay. Okay. Everything's okay. And he slapped me on the butt. Oh. Ow. He's banging me. Quit it. Mm, that feels nice. <clears throat> Again. Birds. Like we mentioned earlier, during the police press briefing with the two young couples, wildlife expert Dr. Robert Smith stated that the Mothman was most likely a sandhill crane. Sandhill cranes are large birds. In fact, greater sandhill cranes can grow up to five feet tall and weigh over ten pounds. Ooh, it's a big bird. <laughs> cranes have long, spindly legs and big wingspans. This fits with the Mothman's description of looking like a humanoid shuffling around on two legs and having wings. Sandhill cranes also have a swatch of red feathers around their eyes on their heads. This could be why so many people claim to see red eyes. But there's two major strikes against the sandhill crane. For starters, they aren't native to the area. Thus, we have to assume a sandhill crane got lost on its migration pattern and ended up in the TNT area of Point Pleasant. It's not such a huge stretch, but still, it's a thing. Uh, conversely, negating the point I just made, <laughs> uh, Sandhill cranes have been spotted in West Virginia in recent years. Between January 2017 and August 2019, 28 Sandhill cranes have been spotted in West Virginia. So it is not impossible, just very rare. The second strike is 
the fact that sandhill cranes do not have reflective eyes. So many witnesses claim to see glowing red eyes, and a sandhill crane's eyes would not glow or give off reflective light, say like a barn owl. Well, 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 a barn owl. We meet again. Longtime bunker funkers will remember that a barn owl was the number one explanation for what the Flatwoods monster was. Another West Virginia cryptid mm-hmm. that we covered on a great episode. Yes, listen to it. And yet again, the barn owl rears its creepy alien-looking head 180 degrees. <laughs> Joe Nickel, a reporter for the Skeptical Inquirer, visited Point Pleasant multiple times to determine what exactly the Mothman was. While visiting the TNT area and McClintic Wildlife Station and you know, speaking to residents and people who worked in the area when it produced ammunition, he concluded... It was and still is a bird sanctuary dominated by owls. Given the glowing eyes, weird shrieks and squeaks, and odd face, among other features like wings, along with it being native to the area and frequently seen in abandoned areas and Newell Partridge's barn, a barn owl is once again a pretty damn good explanation for the Mothman. However, Nickel does mention that other owls native to the area, such as Great horned owls and barred owls could also fit the description. Overall, he kind of assumes in an ensemble of owls, you know, likely donned the role of the Mothman, depending on the night. Nickel further states that given our main descriptions of the creature come from horny young couples in a speeding car, which he has some doubts as to the validity validity of this story in general, it has to be taken with a grain of salt. He's not the only one, though, that doubts the validity of these testimonies. Sightings of the Mothman obviously increased after the Scarberry and Mallet accounts were published in the press conference, leading many to believe people were milking the story for attention. Some skeptics also point out inconsistencies with how the Scarberries and Mallet stories were reported to police and how they were presented by the press. For example, allegedly the Scarberries did not report that the bird creature flew after them, but just shuffled down the road a bit after them and then stopped. In fact, some skeptics believe that most of the Mothman sightings were just the work of pranksters and hysteria brought on by the press conference. Whether or not you believe the account of the Scarberries or the Mallets, it's uh, safe to say that UFO writers like John Keel and Gray Barker had a lasting effect on the legend of the Mothman. Skeptics believe that these two writers heard about the reports coming out of West Virginia and traveled there to make a pretty penny selling books about the quote-unquote creature. In fact, both writers did indeed take up residence at the Point Pleasant Motel and originally planned to share their notes and findings with each other, possibly collaborating on a book about their time investigating the town reports. This ultimately fell through, and Keel's mass-market book, unlike Barker's self-published one, established much more of the lore surrounding this story. Keel and Barker were the first to start saying there was a connection between the bridge collapse and the Mothman. It is now known today that the bridge collapsed because of a cracked eye bar. Uh, Strangely enough, this was like the 13th pin in the uh, bridge system. Suspicious. And it was an old, out-of-date bridge that most engineers were surprised hadn't collapsed sooner. Mm, Suspicious. And, And much of the UFO, Men in Black, and paranormal activity, according to skeptics, was the fabrication of Keel and Barker to try and create a book that would sell. And finally, some skeptics go as far as to say that the town simply made up the whole thing to make money. Yeah, baby! I love gold! To 
Tourism did indeed increase after these stories were published, and the town of Point Pleasant does hold an annual Mothman Festival, which benefits the town. On top of all this, you can buy Mothman merch and Mothman-inspired dishes in local cafes and restaurants. I love Mothman dropping soup. <laughs> the Mothman lunchbox, the Mothman video game, Mothman hot Brazilian bikini wax kit. Wow. Well, regardless of whether you believe the legend or not, it's safe to say that the Mothman mania has gripped the hearts of many. Mothman is arguably one of the most popular cryptids and urban legends of all time, and the town of Point Pleasant has wholeheartedly embraced it. But listeners, what do you believe? Is the Mothman real? Is it some species of bird? Or is it a supernatural omen? Whether real or not, when disaster strikes, the legend of the Mothman will flutter into our hearts and brains like a moth to a light. Hello, welcome back, everybody. That was our research into the Mothman. That was the Mothman of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Oh boy, Andy. Country roads. Take me home. To the place. West Virginia, Mothman Mama, take me home, country roads. Wow, Andy, uh, ooh, I don't want to get roasted. I don't want to get roasted for our opinions, Andy. Oh, boy. Oh, we're going to get burned for these. People love the Mothman. We don't like the Mothman that much. <laughs> Fuck the Mothman. Whoa, okay. I'm not going that far. Listen. <laughs> Mothman. Look, that was harsh. That was harsh. Yeah, it was a little uncalled for. I'm sorry. I apologize to the Mothman. Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster. You know, these are like the Duke and the University of Kentucky. Sweet March Madness. The college basketball references yeah. for United States Cryptid University. Basketball reference for the listeners who don't get it. They're the big timers, right? Entire- the bluest of blue blood cryptids. Yeah. Uh, Bigfoot is spawning a whole TV show. Mothman is not. Mothman gets one episode. Mm-hmm, right? right. Mothman, uh, Skunk Ape, uh, Chupacabra. Jersey Devil. These are your second tier Second cryptids. tier. Second tier cryptids. 100%. Um, they don't have as much legs, right? <laughs> we don't have yeah. any footage of the fucking Mothman. People seem to say that they yeah. see the Mothman in other places. Chicago has seen. Recently, within the last decade, multiple Mothman sightings. Mothman sightings. You know, I don't know. I got to tell you, I mean, it's just. I was a little disappointed. I'll put oh, it that way. Yeah. I'll put I was a little disappointed when researching the Mothman. I think from the documentaries that I watched as well, both the things on YouTube and the things the actual produced ones that you can get on Amazon, I feel like most of the townspeople didn't even believe the Mothman when it was first coming out. Mm-hmm. When the Mothman stories were first being reported, 
It was a giant bird creature. It was called like the uh, Mason County. It was called like the Mason County bird creature. Literally, that was its name. Mm -hmm. Suddenly it becomes the Mothman after some of these rioters start getting a hold of it. Mm -hmm. Most of the townsfolk thought it was just a giant fucking bird. Mm -hmm. Most of the townsfolk, I don't think, believe the legend. I think if you talk to most of the townsfolk, they tolerate it because it brings in money. It brings in, it put Point Pleasant on the map. You can't deny that. Mm -mm. People travel there. People go there. They want to see Mothman. Yeah. You know? Um, and so I think most of the town tolerates it, but a handful are like, yeah, we really believe it. The rest, I think, are just like, nah, I don't believe that shit, but it's Mothman. I think that the popular narrative about the Mothman is that Point Pleasant was terrorized yes. by this Mothman. Right. And, I mean, I think we're both in the know enough that we heard of the Mothman before Mr. Bunker asked us to research this. Yeah, I knew what Mothman was. And I think without having done more looking into it on my own before this, I just assumed that it was a wild phenomenon, something hyper-local that just keeps coming back. But it's like it existed for a little bit, and then it goes away. And then in the recent, recently, more stuff is kind of happening, <clears throat> allegedly. Right. You know, people have sightings and stuff. But at the time, it was, I, it was like just a few people. It was a few people. The legend died down. Yeah, it died. It died. And then all of a sudden, the bridge collapses a year later. And then the UFO writers, Barker and ones, Keel, had been living there for a long right. time. Are the ones saying, oh, they're connected. Yeah. No one thought about that. Nobody was saying the Mothman right. did this. Right. We're not trying to shit on it. You know? No. The same thing happened with the Flatwoods monster. There's, there's, These are almost parallel stories. Yeah. 100%. The same thing happened with the Flatwoods monster. They had a, they had a, weird, a weird happening. They told a story. Other people took it and ran with it. Embellished it. Gray Barker. Yeah. It got <laughs> literally Gray Barker. Yeah, again. literally Gray Barker. Yeah. I mean, you know. John Keel, at the very least, was like a little bit more well-regarded. I'm not trying to shit on Gray Barker, but Keel like had had things published in various publications, magazines. Right. His story went on to, uh, you know, be made into a movie. Yeah. So, starring Richard Gere, who allegedly. Not too shabby. Conspiracy. He was married to Cindy Crawford, Andy. Allegedly. Here's a conspiracy. Richard Gere doesn't get work anymore because he is uh, very pro-Tibet. He's Buddhist. He's Buddhist and he's pro-Tibet. And mm -hmm. he keeps talking about Tibet independence and freeing Tibet. China doesn't like that. Yeah. But he doesn't get work in Hollywood anymore. Mm. Makes you think. Mm. Makes you think. Makes me think. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so that's what Richard Gear's been, been up to. And this has been Mr. Bunker's Richard Gear Update podcast. <laughs> the classic segment that happens in every episode. What has Richard Gear been up to lately? And every segment is exactly the same update because there's not that much happening. Yeah. We don't know that much about Richard Gear. We don't. We don't. We don't. He was married to Cindy Crawford. A pretty woman. Walking down the street. Pretty, pretty Mothman. A cryptid I'd like to meet, pretty moment. Oh, I could see those red orbs if I could. No one could fly 100 miles per hour like you. Ooh.
Great baseline. Yeah. Great beat. Yeah. Great melody. Yeah. Roy Orbison. Check him out. The big O. The big O. Uh, Ty, uh, let's for, talk about a big for, O. For more for more about Roy Orbison, please tweet at us, email us. I'd be happy to talk to you about Roy Orbison. Andy has a extensive knowledge of music during this during the time of the Mothman. Big Roy Orbison fan. The other big O, Owl. Owl! <laughs> yeah. Here we are again. Here we fucking are again. Uh, listeners, if you're I- just getting into this podcast, I have a feeling that Art's about to go on an anti-owl rant. Well, let me just say this. He hates owls. Let me just say this. Can we just say this? Sandhill cranes are creepy. Can we just say that? Can we just talk about that? Let's talk about Sandhill Crane. Can we talk about that? What's the deal with the red feathers on the head? Looks like war paint to me. Uh, the long stalks for legs. Very creepy. We're lucky birds don't have arms. A bird with arms is a dinosaur, Andy. Imagine we're birds with arms. Imagine it. Imagine birds with arms. I'll give you a moment. Imagine birds with arms. Okay. Are you imagining I'm them? I'm imagining it. I'm Are thinking about scared? it. Are you scared? No. You should be. Eh, birds don't bother me. Birds with arms. Aren't scary to you. Yeah, birds don't bother me. Okay, I don't think you're picturing it. <laughs> I'm picturing it. I'm no, with arms. I don't think you're picturing it. <laughs> I don't think you are. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, birds should evolve arms. That would be the game changer for them. They'd fucking kill us. They had wings and arms. <sighs> We'd be fucked. Yeah. Absolutely. It's all over for us. Yeah. Uh, If I may. Yeah. Did you have more to say? No, I mean, that was it. Okay. I've said my piece. If I may. I didn't know much about the Sandhill Crane, so I did a little research. And 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 yes. Okay, I'm just going to read you some stuff from Wikipedia. I mean, I get it. It's Wikipedia. But, like, just bear with me here. Um, adults are gray overall. During breeding, their plumage is usually much worn and stained, particularly in the migratory populations, and looks nearly ochre. Um, I want to say that also... Uh, in flight, their long, dark legs trail behind, and their long necks keep straight. Hmm. Uh, these cranes frequently give a loud trumpeting call that suggests a rolled R in the throat, and they can be heard from a long distance. Uh, I have uh, a link to some Sandhill crane calls if you'd like to hear them, Art. Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll try to capture this, uh, listeners, but you may not get it. Uh... I do a pretty good one, huh? (laughs) Yeah, you're great. That's creepy. All right, I think we get it. I think we get the. Let's hear it one more time. (laughs) (laughs) That's creepy. Tell me that isn't creepy. Tell me you are out late at night. This is 1960s small town, Andy. Okay, I'm not judging small towns, but even the people in the documentary say stuff like, "This was a small town." Okay, they didn't have lots of fancy shit, so stories like this were passed around, and that was fun, right? Yeah. You hear that fucking sound? Tell me that doesn't creep you out. Sandhill Crane's large wingspans, typically 1.65 to 2.3 meters, make them very skilled soaring birds, similar in style to hawks and eagles. 
using thermals to obtain lift. They can stay aloft for many hours, requiring only occasional flapping of their wings. Okay. Checks out. Checks out. Um, let's see. There's plenty of species. Yes, they have the red around the eyes. More uh, paint. Is they ready to fight Sandhill you? cranes are fairly social birds. Just want to say that. They're okay. social. So they're tweeting a lot. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. I get it. Uh, let's see. Uh, there was something else I wanted to say about this. Uh, they are a conspicuous ground-dwelling species. So at risk from predators. So this is a bird used to defending itself. Um, let's see. I wanted to say, uh, for like protection, if by a land predator, they move forward often hissing with their wings open and bills pointed. If the predator persists, the crane stabs with its bill, which is powerful enough to pierce the skull of a small carnivore and kicks. Okay. I just want to say... So you're making a case for the Sandhill Crane. I I know from talking to you that we're in different camps on this. You're very much owl because of the eyes. Yes. I'm very much crane because of the description. I'm going to say this. Isn't it possible that it's both? It is. The McClintic Wildlife Preserve, this would be a great area for a solitary crane to live. If it got separated from its herd, cranes fly in big migratory like places, so if you got, you know, if you're a crane, you got injured. They're or native to here. Off court, yeah. I mean, you've seen cranes before. I've seen cranes before. Uh, yeah, they build buildings. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think that the descriptions sound like a sandhill crane. The eyes. Isn't it possible that other people saw an owl and other people saw a sandhill crane? Yeah. Like the married couples maybe saw a sandhill crane. Yeah. And mistook the red for a glowing red eye, uh, but then it. I mean, the sailing, the way they describe it, it sounds like a crane, not an owl. Every depiction of the Mothman has him as like this kind of stumpy, he's like this like round oblong little thing. And then it's got like long legs and wings. Yeah. And it's very owl-like in silhouette. It, the silhouette is very owl-like because his eyes are always down by his shoulders and... That's what an owl would look like. In the research, I saw a depiction of the Mothman flying. It looks like a crane in flight. I don't know. It looks like a flying crane because it's got the legs. I don't know, Andy. I feel like I'm more team owl because barred owls are like the perfect marriage of a barn owl and a great horned owl. Right. Barred owls have the most reflective eyes because they have tons of blood vessels in their eyes. Right. Super reflective. Bright red. You ever seen? Oh, so creepy. Owls. This is why human eyes reflect red. Yeah. Because of the blood vessels in the eyes. Oh, yeah. We we don't have naturally reflective eyes like like some other creatures do, but kitties. Yeah, exactly. But because we're not nocturnal. But it's the blood vessels in our eyes get affected by light, and that's what causes us to like we'll kitty cat. Meow. Yeah. Uh where the fuck was I going with this, Andy? You're gonna make a case for the barred owl, right. I think. Uh, super reflective eyes. They're big. They're bigger than barn owls. Mm -hmm. I think they get, they're even bigger than great horned owls. Uh, let's look up quickly. How big is a barred owl? Barred owls. Um, they're brown and grayish. 
And owls, when you lift up their bottom feathers, they have long, creepy legs, like most birds. Let's see, how big is a barred owl? The adult, uh, again, this is from Wikipedia, so we'll take this with a grain of salt. Okay. The adult is uh, 16 to 25 inches long. That's 40 to 63 centimeters uh, with a 38 to 49 inch wingspan. So they're not, I mean, they're not, they're not huge. They're like two feet tall. On a branch. <laughs> it's a big, it's a big owl. Two feet tall. That's fucking big, dude. I mean, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. That it's, it's like two of our dicks. <laughs> yeah. That's if we put both of our dicks of our end dicks to end. Together. That's as big as that owl. If we did that again, yeah, it would be as big as this owl. Uh, I don't know. I just, to me, the descriptions, it describes a bigger bird. I think that, yes, there's the, the factor of the trees. People aren't describing the height accurately let's be honest no, like in no case did anybody describe the height and of there's what they there's discrepancies with how the scarberries and the mallets some reports say that it didn't fucking fly after them right yeah yeah bird flying 100 miles an hour that shit ain't happening look i don't think we have any reason to doubt the uh the character of the scarberries and the mallets right local law enforcement believed them and i think we should as well yeah but i think that their story got twisted a little bit sure and i think also that when you see something scary, you don't always describe it accurately after the fact. If you felt intimidated by this thing, yeah, you're going to describe it as bigger. If you didn't feel so intimidated by it, <laughs> you I mean, oh my god, I saw this I saw this very tiny rat that in no way, you know, you know, you, you say, I saw this huge fucking rat. Right, right. You don't say, oh, I saw an average-sized rat, and it scared the crap out of me. Yeah. And it didn't do anything. It just was I saw a existing. huge spider. Yeah. I saw this little tiny fucking spider. It was so small, right. I thought it was a speck of dust. Right. You know? Um, yeah. Have you ever been into a 7-Eleven and seen by the door how they have a, a height? No. And it's so you can come in and mar measure how high you are Not when you're a regular customer. Because they like to see how you're growing. But it serves a double purpose, and that's that if the clerk at the 7-Eleven gets held up, there's a nice marker right by the door. So when the, the, the robber is leaving, they can quickly identify the height by looking at the measuring stick against the door. That's right. Because in a situation like that, you will not remember the height accurately. No, and you I mean— You will be lucky to remember any details about your attacker accurately because you have a flood of chemicals in your body. Oh, yeah. Uh— which we all love. There's adrenaline. There's dopamine. You're getting an erection. Like everything happens when you somebody points a gun in your face. <laughs> That's why we do it for fun. That's why we play Russian roulette with a pistol. It affects how you remember things. You remember things a lot more exciting than they were. 100%. 100%. I agree with you. You remember a better story than actually. We, we covered this with Flatwoods. We covered it with Flatwoods. We covered it with Mandela Effect. Mandela Effect as well. Yes. Your memory is not a perfect record of things that happened to you. It is a record that is impacted by the things that happened to you you remember stimuli and then you piece them together after the fact your memories can be affected by things that you learn later yeah you may remember something that you didn't remember before yep and you may not it may not be accurate mm -hmm. because you got more information after the fact and you weave it in 100 percent. they saw a seven foot tall bird it wasn't a seven foot tall bird it was a sandhill crane it was a five-foot-tall bird that scared them. What happened to Bandit? I don't know. Did a crane eat Bandit? Probably not. Sandhill cranes are opportunistic, though. Generally herbivorous. Maybe this one had a problem eating. It turned carnivore. <laughs>
Maybe Bandit got after it and it killed Bandit. Beak could crush a skull. Oh, come on. Come on. You're a dog hater. Come on. That dog shit on Quit the sidewalk. Quit pointing your beak at me. That dog shit on the sidewalk and that crane killed it. It was a righteous crane. Righteous crane. I want that crane to come to my neighborhood. <laughs> that crane was on a crane crusade. A crane, a crane crusade. <laughs> this was a holy crane. <laughs> a Fraser crane. <laughs> Those jumped out it and scrambled. Eh? They didn't hear shrieking. They heard the, the Fraser theme. The blues are calling. Toss salad and scrambled a dog's brain. Oh, fuck. With my beak. Um, what was I going to say? Ugh. You know that owls are sometimes predators of sandhill cranes. Ooh. Like smaller sandhill cranes. Well, so I think this was a big old crane. Andy, was that a knock at the bunker door? Oh, I guess it was. I thought it was just my intestinal distress flaring up again. No. Now that you mentioned intestinal distress, I kind of feel like I have diarrhea. Oh, do you have to go use the open face toilet? Yeah, I might have to go use the yeah. open face well, toilet. I guess you diarrhea. better go first. It's, I'm okay shitting myself because okay. I'm wearing an adult diaper. Okay. Hello, Andy. Bored Owl! Hello, Andy. It's me, Bob. Wow, Owl. welcome back. Yes, hello. Jeez. Thank you for having me. Uh, hey, you make, uh, you're like the only person in the world who voluntarily knows the location of this bunker. That's right. There's lots of things I know, Andy. Could you help us not get abducted every week? I'm not at liberty to say. Mm, okay. The only thing I'm not I, surprised I that you deviate, would show up on here. I can't deviate from my mission of finding the flowers. You trying to fuck the Mothman, too? The who? The Mothman? The Mothman? The... Oh. What are these photos? <laughs> We're talking about the Mothman today, Barn. I've never seen these photos before. Oh, my. You don't know anything about the Mothman? No. I only know about the Flatwoods Monster. Flatwoods Monster is the only cryptid you've ever heard of? Who is this creature? It's the Mothman. Oh, my. From Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Tempted by the fruit of another. Oh, are you masturbating? Are you masturbating under your pants? Stop looking at me! Oh, barn. I can't find the Flatwoods monster. I need comfort. Are you gonna... Are you... Are you... Get these photos away from me! Are I only you, have flat eyes for the Flatwoods monster. I don't know. I think you just lusted in your heart for the Mothman. No! No such thing. You got Mothman fever. You got Mothmania. I don't. You don't know that. I saw you masturbating under your pants. Ah, you don't know anything. You put a hand down the front of your pants. I was giving myself a testicular check. That's right. Canonically, I have balls. That is canon about you, Barn Owl. And you know what? I applaud you for checking your body. Everybody, check your body for lumps. It could be cancer. There's a lump in my heart. Because I can't find the Flatwoods monster, Andy. Uh, my heart yearns for the Flatwoods monster. So I guess that you haven't uh, really gotten any closer to your dream of marrying the Flatwoods monster since the last time you were here? No. That's or she not. I cannot track her down with her beautiful Amazonian stature and her metallic bosom. Yeah. And her long, I prefer long spindly arms to long spindly legs of this Mothman. Mm -hmm. So you're really, I mean, you're really more attracted to the Flatwoods monster at Tempted the end of the day. Tempted by the fruit of another. Tempted, but the truth was discovered. You only had eyes for the Flatwoods monster. And I still do, Andy. I want the Flatwoods monster to know that if it's out there, I'm looking for it. And uh, one way we will be wed in holy matrimony. 
The Flatwoods monster would never cause a bridge to collapse. The only thing it could collapse was the cold darkness of my heart. It would collapse the icy shell around it, letting out the warmth inside. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's part of a series of poems I wrote and stole from Pablo Neruda. Neruda? Neruda. Pablo Neruda? The anime poet? Pablo Naruto. Have you heard of him? His poems? <laughs> no. I'm familiar with Pablo Neruda. But I've never heard of Pablo Naruto. <laughs> He's a ninja poet. Oh, wow. The fastest ninja of all. And he can transform into a giant fox, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm not super read up on that lore. <laughs> Pablo Naruto. Check out his poems that I stole in my new book. Okay. Did you, just, you just admitted to plagiarizing Pablo Neruda? It's not plagiarizing if you give a small bit of credit at the end. No, that's true. That's a good That's a good out. And if you openly admit it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Please buy the book. It's helping to fund my search for the Flatwoods Monster. Uh, I tell you what, Barn, I will buy your book. You will? Yeah. Oh, Andy, that's so good. I'll even review it on Amazon. Oh, you will? Yeah. Will you leave a five-star review? I'll be honest about it. So I'm going to read it and then leave a review. Okay. Well, I think anybody who enjoys any kind of media ever should go out and give it a review. Barn Owl's complete plagiarizing of Pablo Naruto, Naruto's work. Naruto. Naruto's work. Uh, Yeah, good luck with that, Barn. Thank you, Andy. Um, have you ever considered that uh, the Flatwoods monster and the Mothman might be connected in some way? Wouldn't it be funny if it turned out that the Flatwoods monster was in love with the Mothman? That they were husband and wife? Like the Mothman and the Flatwoods monster? They had like a family? Weird little monster kids? Out in the wilds of West Virginia? Wouldn't that be weird? What the fuck is your problem? Trying to break my heart? No, I'm just saying, isn't it? I have to go! Barn! Andy, I have to go! What's the matter? I have to go! The Flatwoods monster must be mine! Jeez. Bye, Jeez. Barn. What was that? It was Barn Owl. What did you do to him? I He left in a tizzy. I told him I would... First of What'd all... What'd you say? He's writing a book. He's just repackaging poems by Pablo Naruto. Oh. And the anime poet? Yeah, the ninja poet. He said ninja. Yeah. Well, uh, Naruto's a ninja, I think. Okay. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Barn didn't seem that sure of it either. Yeah. Um, But... Then he seemed put off that I wouldn't just leave him a five-star review, that I said I would be honest and read the book before leaving a review. Okay. And then he got mad because I suggested that maybe the Mothman and the Flatwoods Monster had a family. That's a little... That's kind of... Andy, have a heart. I just... Andy, have a heart. They're only 125 miles apart. Andy, you know he's in love with the Flatwoods Monster. I know. So you're sitting there and you're making all these claims about the Mothman and the Flatwoods Monster getting well, together, having kids at 69 Bluff? I mean, this guy's going to fuck an owl. Like, that's where this ends up. I mean, In his on. heart, he's fucking the Flatwoods Monster. Eh, fine. Okay, he's going to get under that metallic skirt at 69 no Bluff. Skirt. 69ing Bluff. There's no skirt. They're going to 69. Just an owl. Owls he's, have a skirt. He's going to lick an owl's privates. <laughs> Cloaca. Well, he's like part owl or human or something. I don't know. I'm not familiar with. Yeah, his I lore. don't know his lore. Every time he's here, I'm. I have to go. There's a lot that. of things that are canon about Barn Owl that I don't even remember. Yeah, it's true. 
Every perhaps, time he shows up, he drops some new little nugget about his personality. Sure. And one day, a fan might create a Wikipedia or a wiki for all the canon to be canonized forever. Yeah. But that's Until neither then, here nor there. Yeah. Um, you know what I do like, though, Andy? I like the idea of people in the town claiming to be the Mothman. A lot <laughs> of it was based on pranksters. I like it because, you know... In small towns, Andy, you grew up in a small town. Yeah, I did. Word gets around. Yeah. Everybody so knows were, everybody. People are like, yeah. Frank admitted to being the Mothman. That's him. He's like, yeah, I just love dressing up like a moth, jumping out on the road, scaring young couples. Okay. Just what I like to do. How I get my kicks. On route 69 bluff. So anyway, I think that's funny. Uh, I do think that's funny. I mean, I think... One thing that we've we've said consistently in the past about cryptids is, hey, have fun with a cryptid. Mm-hmm. A cryptid is a fun thing. You think this town made it up? I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't either. I think that, are they exploiting it? Sure. Because it could have just died away and nobody would care. Right, why not? I mean, it would have just been another blip that they never became a thing. They put up a statue when the... Uh, the Mothman prophecies, which I don't know how popular that movie was. Did you ever see it or hear? I've never it? seen it. I, I mean, honestly, I haven't consumed that much media about the Mothman before this. Uh, you haven't consumed that much media in general. <laughs> that's true. Um, but you've consumed so, a lot of lasagna. Oh, I hate Monday. You're Garfield. No, I'm Garfield. I'm uh, Gorf. Uh, let's see. The Mothman prophecies has a 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb, 52% Rotten Tomatoes, and 52% Metacritic's. Score. Uh, let's see how it did at the box office. Ooh, Laura Linney. Yeah, Deborah Messing. Deborah Messing. Richard Gere gets to have uh, lengthy sex, I think, with both of with them. All of them? Yeah. yeah. Good for him. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I think maybe in the future, maybe we'll do a little segment where Andy and I watch the Mothman Prophecies and record it. Some commentary for all you folks out there. If you'd like to see that, let us know. Tweet at us, email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com, at mrbunkerpod. Let us know if you'd like to see Andy and I do some content like that. The Mothman Prophecies opened at the U.S. box office on January 25th, 2002, earning $11,208,851 in its first weekend, failing to enter the top five grossing films. It eventually went on to garner $35,746,370 in the U.S. and $19,411,169 in foreign markets for a worldwide total of $55,157,539 at the box office. Huh. Regardless, it put Point Pleasant back on the map and they erected a Mothman statue in the uh, town center that actually has a live feed. You can can look at the... uh, I'm pretty sure there is a live feed camera on that statue that you can look up, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, and they shot most of this in Pittsburgh, not in West Virginia. What a slap in the face. Even Chicago shots were shot in Pittsburgh. Uh... Yeah, I mean, Andy, not a lot to talk about here, to be honest with you. Uh, you want to talk about Indrid Cold for a minute? Sure. What's the deal with Indrid Cold? I did a little extra 
looking into injured cold. Did you? I don't think it's as big a deal as people are making out to be. I, I think don't this think is it just is either. one guy. I think yeah. they've linked him to a bunch of other stuff that right. nobody ever said was injured cold, and then it just kind of comes back after a while. So like Darren Berger's story undoubtedly gets like noticed by somebody. Yeah. And then people start thinking about it. People who are kind of in the know, you know what I mean? And then all oh, people are having experiences. Like and Darren Berger later said that uh like Indrid Cold came back and told him he was from some other planet or something. Right. So oh, look, I'm just saying I'm not in I don't think that Indrid Cold being there that Darren Berger's like a super reliable source. I mean, no offense. And I don't think that this injured cold sighting indicates some deeper involvement with UFOs tied to the Mothman. I think it's just a weird bird. Yeah. And then it got a few things going. People saw owls, lots of owls in the area. That's it. That's what I think. Yeah. Uh, Injured cold, you know. It's just, it seems like a tall tale. He's out in the cold. Yeah. He is spooky, though. Spooky. Sure, it's a, it's kind of a creepy little tale. Yeah. But I don't think it has any merit. No, I don't. Andy, most of this fucking story doesn't have a lot of merit. Okay? No, that's a fair point. And we're not shitting on the town when we say that, okay? No, I want we're that to be... shitting on the story. It's a fucking <laughs> stupid story. No, it's a fine story. It's... I don't think I like it as much as the Flatwoods Monster, but... Flatwoods Monster's cuter than the Mothman. Yeah. Also, but like Point Pleasant for some reason, like, I don't get why Point Pleasant was like, hell yeah, fucking Mothman. That's what happened. Town embraces it. And Flatwoods Monster, everyone was like, fuck no, that didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, people didn't really like the Flatwoods Monster at first, but, you know, it seemed much faster in Point Pleasant to think when they saw how much uh, tourism and money that Point Pleasant was making. (laughs) Yeah. Like, "Hmm." we missed our chance on this now we're the obscure west virginia cryptid yep um all right andy well i guess it's unless you have anything else to say i think we kind of covered it really i mean yeah i think we could get through our verdicts i got nothing else to say okay uh in the case of the mothman uh i uh i'm gonna say um plausible plus plus it was a sandhill crane okay and I also think that there were owl sightings, but I think that the mallet and scarberry thing, what they saw was a sandhill crane. I think that people saw different things. Like, I think the thing that terrorized the house, like looking in the windows and stuff, was a sandhill crane. Wow. But I think people were probably also seeing owls, barred owls or something that had red glowing eyes. And I mean, I think there's, it's possible that it's a mix, but I'm, I'm, for me, the suspect that fits the bill is the Sandhill Crane. Plausible, plausible plus plus, leaving a little room because maybe it was just an owl all along. Okay, and I'm willing to concede that, but I'm I'm big into into uh, Sandhill Crane camp. I went to Sandhill Crane camp when I was a kid. <laughs> you had a toy uh, Sandhill Crane. Yeah, uh, Sandhill Crane has been. My guiding light throughout life. That's right. I live my life like the Sandhill Crane, using my uh, facial features to drill the holes into small predator skulls. That's what you call food. Mm-hmm. I eat the brains. Yeah. That's what makes me smart. <laughs> uh, Andy, uh, I'm going to go case closed. It was a bird. <laughs> what? <laughs> 
case closed. Yeah, case closed. It was a bird. <laughs> wow, Andy, the man of many voices is back. Wow, I should have gone case case closed. It was a bird, but I went positive plus plus because I went type of bird. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying plausible plus plus. It was a friggin' owl. Mm. A bird owl. There it is. But I do think highly plausible. Highly plausible. An ensemble of owls. <laughs> ensemble of owls. Of birds. Several owls in a trench coat. <laughs> We're the Mothman. You know, you have one owl, then maybe he has an owl understudy. <laughs> and then they, you know, who's going to play? And then people show up. They're like, right. oh, I went to go see Mothman. It was a, it was a fucking understudy. And then. Get to see Richard Gere, the owl. <laughs> Have to see the other guy. The fucking James Woods. Yeah. I'm trying to think of Fine, people. I guess. I'm trying to think of people who look like Richard Gere. Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. That's probably an upgrade. Ugh. Can't believe I had to sit through Pierce Brosnan when I wanted Richard Gere. Blah. We want Richard Gere. We want free he Tibet. Really, he greases my gear, that's for sure. Um, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's an ensemble. Ensemble of owls. Ensemble cast. Okay. So, all we didn't the convince sightings, each other. All the sightings were by a fucking bird sanctuary. Yeah. We didn't convince each other, though. You came into this thinking owl. I came into this thinking crane. Right. Sometimes I get you on my side a little bit. A little bit. You can't get me. I'm intractable. But sometimes I get you on my side. You say intractable. I say stubborn. I am an ox. I say mulehead. Born in the year of the ox. And to be frank, all of the UFO stuff, all of the connection to the bridge, everything, all came from those writers. Right. That did not come from the town. Regardless of whether the town saw UFOs or not during that time, I think is irrelevant. Mary Heyer didn't report on other people having these experiences. She reported on herself having these experiences. Uh, For me, that's a problem. Yeah. And I mean... The writers are the ones who right. connected everything. And the same thing happened with Flatwoods Monster. This was lit- it was literally, if you go look up the bird, or the names in the newspaper, they called it the Mason County Bird Monster. It was reported as a giant bird. Yeah. Many times people saw a giant bird. Yeah. It wasn't until later that it became this supernatural entity A man with wings. Right. Yeah. People might also say, well, Art and Andy, you didn't bring up the... Uh, the Native American curse. That is well, because the Native American curse was proven to be false. Well, you know what? Frankly, listeners, you can suck our butts. The curse of Cornstalk. What? I mean, 200 years after the fact, and it's like, oh, it went away because yeah. 200 years after his death. What the F are you talking about? That's not how curses work. I know about curses. I grew up in central Ohio. Muirfield was cursed. They used to go allegedly pour liquor onto the green, and that would stop the rains. That's all made up, too. The Browns are cursed. Yeah, but that's real. That's stupid curse. They cursed themselves. Yeah. The Cubs were cursed for a long time until it was broken. Ah, they broke the curse. That's why Cursed curses aren't Bambino. real. What is it? The Bambino? Uh, the goat or whatever. The goat or whatever the fuck? Yeah, whatever. Some fucking goat. Fuck the Cubs. Uh, anyway. Mm. Uh, you know, so we didn't. I didn't even include that in the research because it's just... It's not even worth including because it was a total hoax. There was no Native American curse. It was allegedly, it was made up. You can go look. 
there was a play, yeah. a children's play, yeah. that went on where they brought up the curse, and that it was the first. Is one. a fantastic story, too fantastic to be real. It's, I mean, it's not that fantastic. It's fantastic, a curse, and plus, you know what people do? You know what they do, Art? Yeah. They say, oh, the land is cursed. Then, t- anytime anything bad happens, it's like, oh, it was probably the curse. It's like I bet if you go to pick any sp- part of land, you'll find tragedies. Over a 200-year sample size, <laughs> then you'd be like, "Well, it probably was cursed." Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's not like they found eight billion things that happened that were like tragedies where multiple people died right. and things that shouldn't have happened. It's stuff that could have happened anyway. And there's like three main stories. Yeah, that's it with this one. Yeah, the rest are just like, "Oh, people saw it and reported it." It's like, okay, all right. Yeah. Didn't kind of, they didn't yes and super hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you know, if you're going to report that you saw a cryptid, you got to yes and. You can't yeah. just yes. You can't just say, yeah, I saw it too. You got to come hard with a story. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being a second tier cryptid in the universe. Not everyone can be the Bigfoot. Not everyone can be the Loch Ness Monster or the Chupacabra. You know, I'll put Chupacabra up there. Yeti. Yeah. Well, Okay. Yetis, I think, is the second tier. Wow. Sorry to our Yeti listeners. Anyway. You know, that's what I think. That's it? Um, Listeners, that's our verdict on the Mothman. I'm sorry. I hope we didn't disappoint you. I hope we didn't hurt your feelings. If you like the Mothman, we don't care. We like it. Yeah. Just not as much as the Flatwoods Monster. And yeah, sorry. I mean, if you believe it, we just don't agree. Yeah, it's fine. And we can't ever be We'll friends. go to Point Pleasant. We'll go there. I mean, we'll go there to tell people right to their faces. We'll what go to the festival. Stupid, shitty cryptid the Mothman is. Well. And tell them they should freaking get in their cars and go to Flatwoods and see a good cryptid called the Flatwoods Monster. Holy fuck. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> well, listeners, that was our verdict on the Flatwoods Monster. Let us know what you think. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? Use the hashtag. Uh... Like a mothman to a podcast. Like a mothman to a flame. Uh, okay. Use either one. Like a mothman to a podcast or lock a mothman to a flame. Lock mothman to a flame. And let us know your thoughts on this story. Uh, tweet at us at Mr. Bunker Pod on Twitter. Slide into our DMs at Mr. Bunker Pod on Instagram. Email us, Mr. Bunker Pod at gmail.com. Sub to us on YouTube, Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Follow us on Twitch, mm-hmm. Mr. Buggerbod. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Andy, any last words? Uh, in all seriousness, Point Pleasant, great job in making this a thing. Yeah. Um, you know, having a little cryptid in your town is pretty cool. Um, so, like, good, good on you for keeping the thing alive. It's fun. People should have fun with it. Um, cryptids are fun. Yeah. I like these little local cryptid stories. They're great. Yeah. Cryptids are great. Fucking super into them. Yeah. Cryptids are fun. Well, anyway, for the titular Mr. Bunker and for my Flinty <laughs> yep. co-host, Andy Hart, I'm Arthur Stone saying that was the whole enchilada.
Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotas, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.